thing about being a maker and a creative, it's a great way to express something without using words. Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast. This is episode 45 of season two, originally aired on March 5th, 2020. Okay, so we said goodbye to another month. Goodbye, February, and hello, March. So for me, February ended with a crazy, stressful week. Um, my sister had her baby, and the baby was early. There were some other complications, um, being breech and other things. So um, we were on pins and needles, but everything worked out, and the baby was born um, very healthy. And now um, they are they're back home, and um, all is well. And so that was really a blessing, and. Um, we are just all so happy and relieved that it that that everything went well. So during the same week, I was going through my own little medical scare, um, and ultimately, what happened was I had I've been having this really severe pain in my lower left leg, my calf, and it's on the left side. I went to the doctor. Um, she didn't think it was a blood clot, but then you know, wasn't sure. So we did an ultrasound and thank goodness, no blood clots. But um, yeah, I was really worried. And it's something that you really shouldn't mess around with. And, you know, if you have, if you have the insurance, um, don't hesitate because um, lately it just seems like I have been hearing of so many people um, just going like, um, you know, as someone, a friend of a person that works at um, a showroom that I go to, her brother-in-law passed away suddenly from a heart attack and um, it, he ignored the pain. I mean, people try to just like push through pain. And when it's something that you, you really shouldn't push through it. And like for me, um, just talk about my own experience. Uh, this is pain that I've never had before and it's something and it felt different. And I just, so when you, when you know your own body and you kind of know when something is just not normal or not right, those are signals. And so when you have those signals, really get, get it checked out because it could be mean the manner of life and death. So uh, anyway, that's my little just soapbox thing for this week, but um, thank goodness all is well with my leg and no blood clots. Um, I just kind of have to get through whatever this pain is, which I think it is from when I fell uh, on New Year's Day. So I think because it, it kind of extends up to my lower back. Uh, so it's just something that I'm going to have to have to kind of keep uh, working on and and figuring out. But anyway, so even though it was pretty stressful, the end of the week ended up very well for everyone. And what a relief. It was just so much a relief. And then, um, you know, uh, the weather got nice, sunny. Uh, leap day was great. Uh, I know it just seemed like an, an, an another every day, but 
um, it was kind of fun. Like a lot of companies did um, sleep day sales and some of them did like 29% off, which is pretty significant. Um, and I just, I spent the time in my sewing room uh, enjoying this extra day. I actually, I made a pair of little uh, baby pants for my nephew, who's about seven months old, and they were pretty easy. Um, and that was just kind of like an impulse make. I had, I, I that was nowhere near on <laughs> my, um, my to-do list uh, for projects to do, but it was a really quick little project and I had a lot of fun with it. And it was because of an email I got from Spoonflower. So um, they, Spoonflower sent an email and there was a baby bonnet. So you know, my little baby niece was just born and I thought, oh my gosh, this would be so cute for her. And, and she's tiny, you know, she's smaller than normal. I think she was about five pounds. So, um, a, a new, a newborn bonnet probably might fit her for a little bit longer than it would, um, you know, newborns that are a little bit bigger and they grow so fast. So <laughs> you want, you want them to be able to use it for a little bit of time. So anyway, the bonnet looks so cute and they, they teamed up with a pattern designer. Um, the company is called Oh Me, Oh My Sewing. So they did 15% off of her pattern for this baby bonnet and 15% off of, of ordering fabric from Spoonflower for making the bonnet from their um, cotton collection called the Petal Collection. So I did it. I, I, I actually did. They have a thing on Spoonflower that you can order... Um, uh, what is it called? It's, um, I don't know, but I forget what it's called, but basically you can break up a yard of fabric and you can have different patterns and prints printed in these different um, sections of that yard. So you could, um, I did it horizontally split. Um, half a yard above was one pattern and then the second half of the yard below was a different pattern. You could have done quadrants of it. You could do patchwork size. Um, so you can make a faux patchwork, uh, piece of fabric. It's pretty interesting. So I can't wait to get that fabric and get started on that bonnet. Okay. It just popped back into my head. It's called fill a yard. So when you go to order, um, the fabric, there's an option they ask you, do you want to fill a yard? And you say yes. And then you can pick um, through um, whatever fabric patterns you'd like. So when I went to get purchase the bonnet, then I started looking. There's so many cute little patterns for, for babies and kids at this website. Um, so I'll put a link to it uh, in the show notes. And that's when I saw these cute little knit pants, baby pants, so cute. And uh, they there's only like three pattern pieces. It's really cute. I made it in a day um, and uh, I posted it on my Instagram. I'll, I'll, I'll try to put it in my show notes as well. But I made most of it on the serger, basically the entire thing on my serger, except for the waistband. Then I went over to my sewing machine and did the stretch stitch uh, to make the casing for the elastic waistband. And then we were done. So one thing I want to say about this. So if if you happen to go and, and find this pattern for the baby pants, 
The yardage says a half a yard for the size that I needed. I made the uh, 12 to 18 month size. So I just kind of, you know, glanced at it and, you know, made a note, half a yard. Perfect. Great. Went to the fabric store, got this fabric. And a lot of times I always get more than the yardage needed. But um, I started to collect like extra fabric that, you know, you had enough, you had leftover, but not enough to make anything else. So it ended up being like a waste of fabric um, left over. So then I started to really like, well, let me just get what I need, what this pattern calls for. Okay, so um, it worked for the one fabric and I was able to make that those pants no problem because the pattern was um, a non-directional and meaning that the it was a Mickey Mouse pattern. So the Mickey Mouse was um, on the fabric, all different directions. So there's no upside, there's no down right side or, you know, upside or downside. The second fabric I got was uh, the Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Such a cute, cute, cute fabric. And that one was directional. And on a half yard of fabric, it's only going the short way. So even though the fabric was like 52 inches wide, the 18 inches wasn't enough. <laughs> it wasn't enough for the pattern piece. So I was really disappointed. And, um, you know, I pre-washed the fabric too. So it shrunk an inch and a half. So uh, I'm just, I just want to put this out here because in case you, in case you go and you, you try this pattern out, don't make the mistake that I did. Um because then I'm looking at this and I really just didn't want to make these pants with the pattern sideways. It just would look ridiculous. <laughs> so then I thought, okay, I will cut the length, the width in half and sew a seam and there'll be like a little seam in there. No problem. I did that. And then there was still not enough for both of the pant pieces. So that one went into the scrap heap. It was just rubbish and disappointed. So <laughs> I only I only have the one pair made. Um, but anyway, so I think that it would be best if you got three quarters of a yard, at least, to account for shrinkage. And if your um, fabric is a directional pattern, uh, then then you'll have no problem. So another reason I'm kind of excited about uh, coming into the month of March is that, um, well, first of all, let's let's put a reminder out there. It's my birthday month. <laughs> uh, my birthday is the 25th, in case anybody is interested. And I have a P.O. box. So if if you want to just send me like a postcard for happy birthday, that would totally make my my day, my month, my everything. So just, uh, you know, send out a little postcard to P.O. Box 6904 River Forest, Illinois 60305 and, and I'll get it. So um, just tossing it out there because I know sometimes... I've sent postcards to to some people that um, I like to watch and listen to, and I think it's fun. Um, the other thing is, 
uh, on the weekend, on the 8th, Sunday, Daylight saving time, Savings Time begins. And this is where we get back that extra hour of light back into our days. So instead of the sun setting at, you know, 6 o'clock, it'll set at 7 o'clock now this month which is fun. It's really nice. And um, honestly, I mean, since the, we've been gaining daylight every day since um, December 21st, um, now the sun's been setting at almost six o'clock. And even that I'm good with. I just, I just love that little extra daylight. And, um, but it, it's even going to get better. So it feels like it feels like when, when the light extends in into the evening that you're, you just capture so much more of of the day. It's weird. And the darkness does kind of sort of like tell yourself, your mind and your body that, you know, you're sleepy, you're tired, it's time to go to bed. And what? It's only like 8.30. (laughs) So, um, and then when you're like in the height of summer and it's 8.30, you're just like, oh, it's so early. I have so much to do. So yeah, that, that's exciting. Um, and then in a couple of weeks, two weeks from the day that this airs, it'll be the first day of spring. So lots going on this month. I love the I love the start of spring and I don't know what's going to happen with our weather here, but this week has been very spring-like in Chicago. We've, we, we're having some really mild temperatures and dare I say warm, but for us, if the temperature is 47 degrees out, which it was yesterday, it was warm. Like it was nice. And with the sun being out, um, it just really feels like spring is coming. So I don't want to jinx it, but I really, really hope that spring comes on time for us this year because last year it didn't. And last year we, winter went in, winter just kept going on through May. It was a very late planting season and, um, I really just don't felt like I didn't even have a spring last year. So let's hope that spring starts early. Uh, also, what happened over the weekend is I, uh, I'm on the Allison Glass email list and up popped an email in my inbox and it was about a new sew along starting. And you know that I have said at the beginning of the year that I was not going to, you know, join another sew along. I was this year, I was going to finish that trinket sew along that I did of Allison Glass last year. <laughs> and I still intend to do that. I've pulled the box out. It's all, you know, the project has everything in this like basket box that I need. Very easy to just pick up and, you know, continue with. So, here I see another sew along and I'm like, oh man. And I've been able to um, avoid and and not get sucked into any other sew along so far. And there are a lot going on out there. There's a lot of quilt alongs, sew alongs, all of that happening. And uh, this is, I'm just pretty weak when it comes to Allison Glass. And then she uh, has... Um, teamed up with uh, Juicy Juice 
and we're using his pattern. So I signed up for this, guys. I signed up for it. It starts on March 22nd. So if you're interested, go to allisonglass.com. Um, I think you could also go to the Juicy Juice website uh, because his patterns are being used uh, in this um, sew along. And they are the um, mini block. It's called a mini block series. So these are really like teeny tiny blocks, four inch square. And um, I've seen uh, I've seen these blocks. I, I follow Juicy Juice and I think they're beautiful. I've always kind of wanted to give it a try. It's kind of like on my list. And then here we go. Here's a perfect opportunity to, to try it. Um, and especially it's a lot more fun when a whole bunch of other people are doing this and making these the same time you are. So I did it. I I caved and I signed up. And um, what I hope that I accomplished this year that I didn't last year is completing this sew along. Um, they have really good incentives and prizes to keep you on track. There's a lot of sponsors and they give out these, you know, weekly prizes when you post your pictures of your block that you've completed. And then if you complete the sew along at the finish um, date on time, they send you this cute little pin, a finisher pin. So I want to get that this year. <laughs> I, uh, I hope I can do it. I I'm really, really going to try. But, you know, these are little four inch square blocks. And of course, I think, oh, I should definitely be able to get these done on time. And there's eight of them. So the the sew along goes through, I think, to uh, the end of May. And there are eight blocks total. Um, but I think it's I, it's not fooling me because I know it's pretty deceiving because these blocks are pretty intricate. and. Um, I have never really worked with this tiny of pieces before. In fact, um, I love my add a quarter ruler for foundation paper piecing, and these are foundation paper pieced blocks. So um, in their instructions, um, he recommended that you get the quart, add an eighth ruler, which I didn't even know existed. So I definitely, that's that's probably the only thing that I need to invest in for this um, so along other than purchasing the patterns. Um, but I, de I definitely will get that at an eighth ruler, uh, because I know it'll make my life so much easier and the process of making these so much more fun. So check it out. And if you are going to join this, um, so along, let me know because we can help each other out and cheer each other on to, um, to keep it going and to um, hopefully complete this on time. All right. So today's guest is a fellow podcaster, Vicki Holloway. Vicki's podcast is called My Creative Corner 3. She does more of a solo um, style of a podcast. And I think it's really fun um, to listen to her podcast and learn about she talks about her life in her northern town. And she talks about quilting. She's a long arm quilter. And she also does a lot of other different crafts, which um, is also what I do. So it's a lot of fun. We had a great time um, chatting. And I hope you enjoy. So here we go. 
Okay, everyone, you get two podcasters in one show today because my guest is Vicki Holloway and her podcast, which I listen to, is My Creative Corner 3. Hi, Vicki. Hello, how are you today? <laughs> oh, very good. Good. Thank you. And uh, thanks for being on my show. I I like having other podcasters on the show so we can help support each other. And, you know, it's I've had Absolutely. several others on, too. So it's been fun. It sure is. I, it, it's not like we get to talk to other podcasters very often. People look at me and go, podcast? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. It, it's weird because podcasting has exploded so much in the last few years, but there are still a ton of people out there that have no idea what it is. Absolutely. <laughs> and I go to occasionally I speak at quilt guilds and I still get a whole bunch of people and they are my age who look at me and are like, you can listen to quilting podcasts where? <laughs> and I'm like, everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. A lot of education. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, I wanted to start by just talking about you um, and just your your quilting and your craft story, where it all began. Well, it all began as a child. You know, I think a lot of people who are creative makers, um, I wouldn't classify myself necessarily as an artist, but as a creative it starts in childhood and I had really supportive parents and they really encouraged us to create. But you got to remember, we didn't have cable TV. We didn't have more than pawing on the Atari system, the great outdoors. And I was very, very sickly as a child. So I stayed inside and I made a lot of things and that progressed to music lessons, and so I've been creative my whole life. Now, I started quilting with my mom in the 70s. It was during that bicentennial era and quilting was making a resurgence. And I decided, you know, that then everyone kept saying quilting and crocheting and knitting and tatting were becoming lost arts. And I'm like, what? I know lots of people who knit and crochet, but tatting is something my grandparents did, my grandmothers, great grandmothers. And it's a lace making with a shuttle. And I decided I wanted to learn all the lost arts so that they wouldn't be lost so I could help other people. I was probably, I don't know, 12 at the mm -hmm. time. I thought that's kind of a weird thought for a 12 year old by today's standards. <laughs> but I had a real interest in making things back then. I was also into classical music. I played violin for a long time and so, yeah, I did a lot of that. So during that bicentennial era, my mother and I made quilts for all the new nephews that were being born into the family. And we didn't quilt them, you know, because we didn't have a sewing machine that could handle that. And we used polyester double knit fabric to make <laughs> those just plain squares attached together and and they were made out of all kinds of different um, fabrics. And we tied them with yarn. And I have one of those quilts still. Uh, and it, it washes up great and could still be used today. Oh, I love <laughs> it that. It looks just like you made it. <laughs> yeah, so, I, yeah, I I had one of those quilts. My grandmother 
made me one back in probably the late 70s when I was a little kid. And she did the yarn yeah. tie and uh, the front of it was made out of all this kind of double knit polyester. But she did a sunbonnet Sioux pattern because she mm-hmm. knew that I loved Holly Hobby at that time. So I thought, I thought it was a Holly Hobby quilt. <laughs> I did not know it was a yeah. sunbonnet Sioux until like <laughs> I grew up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we we had so much fun making them. And then it kind of took a back seat. You know, adolescence came on. I was really into music. I played in, you know, some several groups and but then when did I start making my own quilts? Well, like most people, I got pregnant and my husband and I we live very far away from home and I decided to like reconnect with the tradition that I had a quilt, a baby quilt from my great-grandmother. We made quilts for my cousins, and I wanted to make a quilt for my babies. And it's, it's super funny is that I met somebody in college who was my grandmother's age, the little community college, and she did her English paper on American quilts, and she was sharing it with people. So I went over there, and I'm like, I really want to learn how to quilt. Can you give me some suggestions on where I could go? I didn't know that you went to a quilt shop or that people gave lessons. So she took me in, actually gave me private lessons, and that's how I made my first baby quilt. And it was a ridiculous pattern. She looked at me and said, girl, you have, she's from Texas, and she goes, you have some very ambitious ideas, and it was a double wedding ring. I wanted to make a double wedding ring for a baby quilt. I made a four-ring double wedding ring, and after four rings, I looked at her and I said, I think that's about baby size. <laughs> so so that's how I started quilting, but all the other crafts I learned along the way, too. You know, I, I did all kinds of, you know, little crafts at home we would go to the library because we didn't have you know much other types of you know entertainment and they had a big craft section at our library so I would check out the books and make all the crafts I remember one year I was probably eight I made a a angel band so it's all for Christmas all little angels they're made out of construction paper toothpicks (laughs) and felt arms and they all had a different instrument I mean I took all summer, I think, to make that. <laughs> it was a long project. Had lots of fun. Lots oh, and lots of fun. Yeah, that's so cool. So, so I didn't know that quilting has been in your life for, for, for so long. Um, and it's really cool because it's so the opposite of, you know, my quilting story. And I didn't discover it until my mid to late 30s. Um, although I did sew a long time before that, but just regular sewing, not quilting. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't either. I took a sewing in in school at 4-H after school it's a um for agricultural communities 4-H is a big thing where you you know you could learn how to raise a sheep you could can and make different kinds of pickles or you could learn how to sew and I learned how to sew uh, on um a secondhand sewing machine and in fact I was thinking the other day I didn't buy my own brand new sewing machine until I was 50. I really? always had like a hand sewing machine and I thought, you know, when I turned 50, I was like, I want a really good sewing machine. So I bought the Janome that I have now. I oh, really good. like it. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard of 4-H and it's not, I'm, I'm, 
you must be more in the rural um, areas growing up and where you're at now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, it's very rural. I lived in the thumb of Michigan, which is a big agricultural area. Okay. And yeah, so people would learn, you know, my sister took cake decorating and, you know, the boys a lot of times were going into farming. So they would do farming related things. Girls would usually raise lambs and calves. And of course, you know, you have to write a book and a story and keep records of all of that and turn it in. So it's a big, it was a big structured learning experience mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of college you know you keep mm-hmm. <laughs> learning things and writing about it and documenting it and then you turn it in at the end so oh, cool. so yeah it was a lot of fun it's yeah, very very that's fun interesting that's very cool I, I kind of wish that there was something like that for when I grew up but I mean I was in a major metropolitan city area and I grew up in a suburb of Chicago, and I'm still like right next to the city now. I'm in a city, but <laughs> just outside the mm-hmm. Chicago city limits. So it's very urban, and yes. um, yeah, it's 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 different. I you know since I've um, started quilting, and I've been able to meet other people who do it because before I didn't know one soul that would sew like I did or quilt. So. Once you start doing it and you go to the quilt shops and then you start joining some groups and then you realize, oh, my gosh, there are people near me that that also like to do the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things that it's a, it's a small community here. So um, you would think that I know everybody who quilts because it's very small. I live in rural northern Michigan now, not the UP, but about an hour south. And um, I still meeting new people who've quilted their whole lives, but all my coworkers, they go, you quilt, I quilt, we quilt. Yes. We all compare blocks of the month and do all kinds of things. We meet once a month and it's people who have, most of them have retired now from where I currently work, but we still get together and that's our monthly meeting. The guild, um, I haven't joined formally because they usually meet at times that are really hard for me. So it's just, Mm -hmm. it's more circle of, you know, and we do challenges, mostly getting together and socializing and catching up on everybody's life. And it's a lot of fun. That is fun. Yeah. Actually, because I would sit and sew in my house all the time if I got away with it. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I'm kind of a homebody. And um, I do. When I listen to your podcast, you do say that you talk about life in your northern town. And um, you so from Chicago, I don't know how many hours north that would be, like maybe five or six. Six. Yeah. Between six and seven, depending on. And traffic around, you know, between Gary, Indiana and, um, but yeah, we're six hours north and I'm right on the 45th parallel. That's our claim to fame. We're found on the 45th parallel. I always thought that was hilarious (laughs) as a kid. Who cares about the 45th parallel until I realized we are unique halfway between the equator and the North Pole. Oh yeah. Um, But we also are in a snow belt area. So yeah, we're right on on the money for average snowfall. We are at the, the news said this morning we are at seventy eight inches of snow for the winter, and we average one hundred and forty. Wow! So we usually get a lot. You get a lot of snow. Winter. Yeah, we do. But yes, I don't live in Nova Scotia. They got blasted, and I want to say anybody who lives there who listens to this podcast, I saw oh, yeah. the video. I saw it too. St. John's, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I will not complain about the 10 inches of snow <laughs> we got this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we live in a small area. It's real tourist oriented. And um, so the quilt shop I that's right next to my house, they have a lot of things going on because they get a lot of people that come and go. But they also do a good job at building a community of local people, especially in the winter. So it's 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 a fun place to live. It's very beautiful. And, you know, it's one of those things that uh, we do tourism pretty well. If you like to ski and snowmobile in the winter, come on up. <laughs> if you like to fish and hunt and camp, we do that too. And I just like to go out and look at the elk and all the beautiful things of nature. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They do fish oh, occasionally. I really like going to the museums in Chicago. I find them very inspiring. And oh, good. I, I, I miss that. I know because we live four hours north of Detroit and mm-hmm. about four hours north of Grand Rapids, which have some beautiful museums. So I have to plan a whole weekend mm-hmm. if I want to run in and see a special, you know. Yeah. So that can be gets to be a pain sometimes because like if I lived closer it'd be cool I could just run in and look at it but when you live up north it's a whole weekend (laughs) well or you have the issue that I do where I'm only eight miles from there and uh you just never take the time to do tourist stuff or the museums I did do it before when I um was downtown more but Mm -hmm. um they have done this construction project um, and uh, it, it's like right in the center, they call it the interchange and it's been going oh. on for, they, they were supposed to be done in two years and yeah. it's going to be another three years. It, it's insane. It, it's wow. like, compl- it's as if they were building this from scratch. Like, we, like we've never had a highway there before <laughs> or something. Right. Oh, oh my so God. It, yeah, it's so such a pain to get downtown. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah, that would not be my, I will avoid that for a couple more years. <laughs> right, Thanks right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, but I di- um, I, I'm on the mailing list for the Art Institute, and I think there's a Monet coming up soon, which I love. The the Monet exhibit, um, I, I went to one in 95 at the Art Institute, and it was my favorite. I just, it, there was, there was a, so many Monet paintings on that, because it was a touring one. It's not like they're permanent. Right. So that was really exactly. cool. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's, let's talk about then. So you've been quilting and sewing most of your life and um, you enjoy being creative. Um, what, what led you to want to do your podcast? Well, I, it was a way for me to reach out and find even more people who enjoy making things and creating things. And I had been listening to people like, um, Pam at, um, oh my gosh, I can't draw the link in her podcast. Yes, yes, her <laughs> and Francis on you know, Off Kilter Quilt. Francis. I've been listening to them for a long time. And all of a sudden, one day, Francis, I think on her podcast, said something like, you know, it would be really great if we had more homegrown podcasters because it had taken a a dive. It did. Because I, I there was a time where you could listen to lots and lots of people. And I thought, you know, I get, my kids are grown up now. It was at a time when they were all leaving home, you know, two children and they, they moved out. And I was like, this would be a great challenge for this person who is not fantastic with computers and not fantastic with technology to learn how to do 
something that would reach out to other people. And I love talking about quilting especially, Mm -hmm. and all of my, the ups and downs of the journey, no matter how many years you have been quilting, there's always ups and downs in learning and the process and coming up with ideas and challenges and things like that. And, And I find as I'm getting older, I'm finding my body has given me some challenges about quilting because there are some physical things about it that mm. can be a challenge. But that's what really prompted me is it actually was Frances on her podcast saying that. I know exactly that. the episode you're talking about because I heard the same episode and I had already been thinking about starting a podcast. Um, I mean, it took me four years until I actually finally launched an episode but like four, four years beforehand, I bought the microphone. I got, you know, did all these tutorials, but I was still too scared. And when Francis yep. said that, I was like, okay, I don't have to be uber professional, you know, like perfect everything. I can just start. So You want to know how I started? And you probably can tell <laughs> when on the first episodes, my, asked my son, who is very computer oriented, and I said, how do you start recording yourself for a podcast? He goes, you got a smartphone? <laughs> I recorded the until, I want to say the first year and a half on my cell phone. Wow. And he how to um, download a microphone application that you could have an equalizer and how to upload it. And I learned how to, I still use a free a program on the internet. And he told me what, to use, but I figured it out myself because about that time he was going to college. Mm. <laughs> but as he goes, Mom, you don't need to have a booth. You don't need to have all that fancy stuff. He goes, it's great if you do, but you got to start somewhere. And I thought, where did this kid learn all this stuff? He's so smart. <laughs> and then yeah. my husband goes, something right. <laughs> you have to start. Start somewhere and start with where you where you're at because it it takes a while to figure out how to do a podcast. Yes, it and does. How, what what your voice is and mm-hmm. how you want to do it. I'm kind of a stream of consciousness uh, type of podcaster, and I have ideas of what we're going to talk about. You know, we as uh, the community listens. Mm-hmm. You know what. What's the subject? What insights have I learned this week? A little bit what's going on in my little town and my little tiny corner of the world. And other people um, might be able to relate to it because most of us don't. We have a small slice of the world and we just want to try to connect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what I just got bitten by that podcasting bug after I did the first one. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I really like this. And I was hoping that 10 people would listen to it. A hundred listened to it. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) I can't believe a hundred people listen to this on my recording (laughs) on myself. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So um, that's great. You know, if, if you hadn't, if your son had not given you that advice, do you think you would have ever started it or you would just it would have taken you a little longer I'm one of these people that once I did make a decision I usually do it you know and I thought you know in the back of my mind I thought I'll give this you know 12 episodes or maybe 24 that would be a year and we'll see how it goes um 
I probably would have bought a microphone, but it probably would have sounded worse than how it was <laughs> when I started. But he encouraged me saying, Mom, I know lots of people who record right on their phone. And I'm like, seriously? And, and it, it was an encouragement to start with what I had, with the money that I had. Sure. And, and not. And I've slowly upgraded. And he's um, he's got a lot more experience in sound engineering. And so that's how he got me the setup that I have now. He bought it for me for Christmas. Great. Oh, nice. <laughs> Very nice. That that's good to have that kind of uh, technology expert in your family. <laughs> yes, it, it is. Yeah. So it's called my creative corner three, and I always wondered what's the three. Well, <laughs> I have to say, it's the name of the first blog that I had. Okay. And my creative corner was already taken, so it was one and two. <laughs> so I went with creative corner three. I kept going. I, you know, I should really come up with a better story, like three. <laughs> like you had three it's, kids. I thought maybe you have three kids or, <laughs> you know, the, the three grandparents of, you know, of my life who were very, very influential. There were three. There actually mm-hmm. were four. Uh, you know, I, but I couldn't come up with a better idea. So I said, you know, what? I might as well just tell the truth. One and two were taken. Yeah. So I went with three. And then as I migrated, because I think I started out on MSN. They had a blogging um, server. They don't. They don't even do that anymore. Then I went to Blogspot, mm-hmm. and now um, I'm on WordPress. And I just kept the name because yeah. I thought, well, at least that's one consistent thing. You know, right. is, is the the name. So yeah, that's true. With the three, it's, it's <laughs> one and two were already taken. <laughs> that was hard for me trying to come up with a name because I wanted something cool. Like, you know, you hear these f- fun, cool names like the purple elephant or, or I don't know. It's just something oh, yeah. cool it, like it, that. Wait, Everything was taken. <laughs> I know. And, and I kept thinking, well, I wanted it to be like my creative corner of the world mm-hmm. and then I thought that's too long who's going to type in all of that I already <laughs> have the longest email in the universe because <laughs> I wrote it before smartphones you know and it's one of those things where I'm like you know it's my creative corner it's just my little corner it's my little corner mm-hmm. of the house my corner of the world but yeah the three is too funny because I'm like you know it could be some deep meaningful thing. no it's not <laughs> Well, that's funny. I'm glad I'm glad I finally found out because I'm always curious about that. Um, so I get to actually talk to you and find out. Um, uh, so here's another thing. We It's funny because I love listening to your show because we have a lot of similarities, but then we also have a lot of polar opposites. Um, but mm-hmm. one of our similarities is that we both love football. <laughs> Oh, yes. And Super Bowl is in the future here. I'm so excited. I know. I me too. Football. I don't I, I don't meet a lot of quilters and creatives that enjoy football as much as you and I do. <laughs> I know. I have found that out. I mean, they were wanting to do a quilt retreat and one of the dates they picked was Super Bowl weekend. I'm like, oh. are you kidding me? You can't do a quilt retreat on Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> so they know. moved it to April. Oh, <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I know. So true. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to tell you that because it's like there's another person in the quilting world that actually likes football. Is your team is your team Detroit then? I can't remember. Yes. Uh, Okay. Fortunately, it is. 
is the Lions. Um, <laughs> we had a terrible season um, this well, year. Uh, so did the I Bears. Also, like, <laughs> yes, they they did it. And now we're hoping, uh, uh, we were hoping Green Bay would make it, but they didn't make it to oh, the big game. Oh, my goodness. Eight. I would never <laughs> hope that Green Bay made it. <laughs> I, got, I lived in Wisconsin for several years, and I, I actually got to see the Packers play, uh-huh. not at Lambeau, but they used to do other ones. So I have to say, if the Lions aren't playing, I will go for the Packers. And well, that makes sense them. since you live there, but they are yeah, the arch enemy of the Chicago Bears. So I know they, they certainly are. <laughs> but I have but been to a game at Lambeau Field when they played against the you, Bears. My husband's oh, family wait. lives, they're all in Wisconsin, most of them. And uh-huh. um, the one up there is actually a shareholder for the Green Bay Packers, and they got their wedding gift to mm-hmm. us was the, the tickets to that game. So yes, yeah, yeah, it was an interesting oh experience. It was freezing. It was like you know towards the end of oh, December. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Unfortunately, um, that is the one thing about football is that unless you can go into a dome, which you know the Lions play in a dome, but yeah. Yeah, but I have, you know, 100 layers to put on for mm-hmm. high school football and college football. But the older I get, the more I realize I'm not as tough as I used to be <laughs> and oh, sitting outside. You got that right. The weather. I'm telling you, we, we went to a Bears game this and it was only the end of September, but it was raining and it was oh, wind. The you know, and it's right by the lake. So you get that lake wind. Yeah. And I'm like... Oh. I, I would have much better time sitting in front of the TV in my comfortable house watching and actually seeing the plays. <laughs> Instant replay yeah. and having all my snacks right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I'm kind of getting the same way. It's funny because when you're young, the weather doesn't bother you at all. Yeah. And now... You're from the bathroom. Yeah. You know, that's the other <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, okay, we're gonna get back to quilting and craft stories because I might, I might yes. be dropping listeners right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, what what types of quilting do you most enjoy? Like piecing, um, foundation paper piecing. English paper piecing, or do you like to try them all? Well, just learning, I, I kind of do have done it all mm-hmm. over the 25, 30 years I've done it. I have to say I super enjoy making a paper piece little blocks, you know, like the six inches mm-hmm. in that size. Uh, my dream is one day to do a Dear Jane in a real Me modern too. contemporary creation. Me too. Yes, I do one so bad and there's another one called the nearly insane quilt that is uh i think a lady was is from wisconsin from the midwest and i have that book i bought it years ago and it's tiny little piece and i don't have the name the author of it but it's called the nearly insane quilt and um so those are two that are on my bucket list they're small you i would do it paper pieced um, applique is kind of my nemesis, and that's what's stopped me on Dear Jane because oh. I have did uh, some Dear Janes for friends on my long arm and customers, and there there's quite a bit of applique. Mm-hmm. But the 
Quilt had a program at one time. I need to hurry up and probably buy it, you know, where it's an add-on that helps you just print off the paper piecing. So I have to say that's my first love. I love, love, love paper piecing. But the other part is I absolutely love free motion quilting on my long arm. I hated uh, domestic quilting. Uh, you know, you're, it's like wrestling a huge animal under this little machine. And it hurt my neck too much and my shoulders and all of that business. I hand quilted for years. And um, between playing a stringed instrument and all that hand quilting and handwork, there just comes a point where your fingers, my fingers anyway, couldn't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to free motion quilt when we got the long arm. I never learned how to use a pantograph. I never learned how to do, and I have rulers, but I don't like using them that much. So I really like doing free motion quilting also. I like I free tried, motion. Yeah, I try to do a little bit of free motion quilting every day. It took off over Christmas just because I needed a little bit of a break. And I feel like I got to kind of learn my my skills again but I I I jumped right on this morning and it's like wow I didn't forget it's amazing <laughs> it's lots of fun lots and lots of fun so yeah paper piecing and I do like improv piecing but I have to be in that creative mind space for it yeah. because there's a lot of decisions that you have to make when you're doing improv piecing and I sometimes I just don't have the mental mind space to do it right right yeah, I think all of us like to have those projects where you could, it's just more for the cathartic feeling, you know? Um, and, and I think the thing about being a maker and a creative, it's a great way to express something without using words. I <laughs> in particularly like to not put words in my quilts because I'm trying to find a way to express it in nonverbal way, you know, because that's really what most art and creativeness is. You're trying to get people to feel something through what they see. But then there are some times where I just need to follow a pattern mm-hmm. and I need to just make what is in the pattern and what the designer made. Um, I occasionally will participate in blocks of the month where all the fabric is picked because I just need a simple I got to do something, but I don't have the brain space to design it myself and pick a thousand fabrics. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's also nice to sometimes have projects that are a quick finish, too, because you Absolutely. get that satisfaction of, yes, it's it's done. I, I accomplished. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Really good about myself. And um, yeah, I did um, when I first so. When I learn something, I do I, I pick a ridiculous project. Me too. Like the the double wet ring baby quilt. Um, so I learned how to paper piece doing a six inch square. It was like 122 blocks called the Civil War Diary quilt. This is back in the early 2000s. Okay. And um, I didn't know the first thing about paper piecing. I didn't know anybody who paper pieced. I watched a million videos, printed it off on my computer, and made 122 blocks. Wow. And I was like, it took me over a year to do it, just the blocks. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, you just repeat it every day 122 times. You'll you'll master it by the <laughs> end. And I thought, I'm either going to love it or I'm going to hate it. And I wound up absolutely loving it. Oh, wow. So you're, you're almost pretty much self-taught with the foundation paper piecing, which is pretty amazing. I'm pretty- 
Yes, I pretty much self-taught on most things in in mm-hmm. quilting and you know YouTube is like to me is like the biggest miracle of technology. Yes. You know, so I feel like I can I'm being taught something by an expert, mm-hmm. but they don't have to I don't have to take a class and mm-hmm. I can't, you know, most of the time in the winter I can't go anywhere anyway, so it's fantastic. Yeah. I'm able to pursue things and learn things and mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I'm pretty much self-taught cool. on most things i if you take a class for me ever um it makes it makes the quilt shop um owner absolutely insane but i cut my fabric quote wrong i use the mat board <laughs> to measure because i'm left-handed and mm-hmm. and i just my brain and so i taught all the new students how to use the mat board if you use uh, the same mat board every time your blocks are going to be the same size. Mm-hmm. And I just use the ruler just as a straight edge to cut. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, my gosh. That, that and one of my quilting friends, she looked at me and she said, how did you learn that way? And I go, well, when you're self-taught, sometimes <laughs> you do things in an eccentric manner. But you know what? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. My blocks all turn out to be 12 and a half inches or six and a half, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, I thought the, the, the owner was going to lose her mind when I... <laughs> She saw me teaching people how to cut fabric. <laughs> yeah, I it, it there's so many ways to do the same thing and but for a long time I I think that there was a certain way to to do quilting and um I didn't start quilting until 2010 and and really quilting until 2013 like actually mm-hmm. I took a class in 2010. Uh, beginner and and it was only we only learned how to make the top but the teacher did teach that that other method that your quilt shop person was where you first of all she told us hold up your fabric and slide it because you have to get the grain straight I mean so I actually do still do that today like not all the time but when I kind of notice that the grain is sort of skewed I'll do that but she did Mm -hmm. I we did learn how to measure with the ruler not use the mat for the thing but I don't always do it that way I mean it's just how I feel and I have a feeling that you know modern quilters don't do it that way either so no I mean if you're just doing improv you just need a straight edge right yeah I did one class a long time ago, you know, in the 80s when I was first learning how, and we used templates. So <laughs> it was all you cutting your templates out <laughs> and then you know, the very traditional way. And I decided that was like incredible amount of work and that there had to be a better way. So when the rotary cutter came into my life, that was like, wow. I thought, again, another miracle of technology. Right, uh, I thought right. it was a thing. Yeah. And, um, what about you mentioned your long arm? So, how long have you been long arm quilting? About 10 years. Oh, yeah. um, my mom actually bought the machine. She was planning on retiring. And my mom used to live three houses away from me. And so, she had a big studio and it was, she bought it for herself, but also maybe to have a retirement job. Mm-hmm. She absolutely did not enjoy long arming. For uh-huh. other people, she found that to be really hard, and then she also, you know, has some vision problems. So she got really self-conscious about, you know, working on customer quilts. Okay. So um, she retired, and they moved south. Um, they they lived 
outside of Lansing now. And that's three hours away. And and they downsized to a really small house with no studio space. Mm-hmm. So the long arm came to live with me. And she still comes up north and then we'll do quilt camp and she'll do her quilts and we'll have a little time. And it's a good time to get together because my mom started quilting um, again when the road, you know, probably the late 80s, early 90s. And so we quilted together for lots of years and we lived um, in this little town and did a lot of things together. So I missed that part since she retired, but I have to, you know, I'll be okay with it because they don't get the snow. <laughs> and that was the big thing. Yeah. They don't get the snow where they live like we do. Right. And so the long arm stayed with me. And um, nice. the funny part is um, it takes up a lot of space, you know, long arm. Oh, I have yes. a, I don't know, a 10 foot frame. It's a baby lock. So it's more of a mid arm. It's not fantastically huge but it's great for free motion quilting it's only got a stitch regulator no computers we just got a basic model Mm -hmm. and it's at the foot of my bed Mm -hmm. upstairs in my bedroom it's the only room in the house that's big enough outside of my um dining fit it (laughs) (laughs) it works and it's not in the main living space so i asked (laughs) it's 10 years old and i have to say it's in fantastic shape you know Mm -hmm. so it's a was a good investment and uh good. it's it has had very little repairs knock on wood yeah and i really love it is i that, really is really the love machine it. is that more of a mechanical or is it computerized it has the computerized part for stitch regulation oh okay but there's no computer for me to program it to say i would like star flakes right. you know stars and snowflakes right. and footballs all over this quilt right. it, yeah. and and there's a shelf, you know, where if I wanted to, I could learn how to do pantographs, but mm-hmm. I don't really want to learn how to do that. I'd have more fun. It's more fun doing free motion quilting. Yeah. So it is very cool. So I it think- has some some computerization like, uh, okay. you know, your sewing machines have, yeah. but not any robotics to gotcha. it. Okay. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I think they probably kind of have a little bit longer life because the more mechanical they are, <laughs> the longer they live. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was really well. Cool. That's great. Um, I one day I will have a long arm machine. I really can't wait. That's I told my husband that's the next next machine I need to get. It's fantastic because if you're like me, I like to start things and I like to do every part of the process, Mm -hmm. even binding, even though it's not my favorite thing um because i'm not very good at it but i i like to do it all myself mm-hmm. and and the free motion quilting was great i i have paid by check to have long armors do larger quilts for me and you know it just it didn't feel like mine and that's you know okay some people that's not the thing they don't enjoy the long arming part but i do and in fact quilting is what kept me going i love the the actual quilting stitches okay way more than the piecing part hmm. when i was younger i i vowed i was never going to piece again after <laughs> <laughs> after many problems and part of it is when you have secondhand machines mm-hmm. you know i didn't have yeah. a machine was good but uh, it wasn't my favorite part i didn't start loving piecing until the 
probably 2000 in the early 2000s and then paper piecing was like yes you know this is what i like yeah oh cool yeah so um the uh going back to the the long arm quilting. So I agree with you. I um I like the quilting part. I like all the parts, but um even machine quilting at my domestic and free motion is my favorite. Even though I'm not like you know the best at it, I still enjoy doing it. And you know, it, I practice a little bit before I do the quilt. I should do that little everyday thing that you do, where you just do 15 minutes, because yeah. you could get really really good by spending that little bit of time every day because just the improvement yeah that I get from practicing one day before I actually do the real deal (laughs) is amazing well that's why I loaded my quilt on after a six-week break I loaded one of my quilts on versus a customer quilt and I'm like this is gonna be a warm-up but you know part of it is 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 I learned that from music lessons as a kid. You know, if you do something every day, you will make a huge amount of progress on it versus if I sat down and only tried to, you know, free motion quilt every six months, Mm -hmm. you would be relearning it all the time. And I'll be honest, if I only spend 15 minutes a day, I actually will spend more time and get more done in a week than I would say if I tried to power a four hour day of making crafts Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't get as much done. I get tired and I get uninspired, you know, in that big (laughs) session. So it's, yeah, I find, I find that to work. I do the same with piecing. Like I really messed up um, a block earlier because I haven't used a square up ruler in months and I couldn't remember how to use a square up ruler. I'm like, why is this not working? You know, because I, I actually cut the block the wrong size. That's why. And, you know, it, it's just like those skills. If you don't use them all the mm-hmm. time, it's amazing how fast you forget and need a refresher. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So, um, all right. Just a few more topics and then I'll we'll let you go. But. Um, there's so much more that you do and, uh, you mentioned some teaching. So you do, you do teach like beginning quilting and, and Mm -hmm. other, other types of quilting. Um, uh, so how, how did that come about? And, um, do you plan on keeping on teaching like in person or, you know, what other? I do. I like in person teaching and it's one of those things that, as long as there is an opportunity, I would do it. I enjoy it. Our, um, this year, I have I probably haven't taught a class since last fall, but our quilt shop has lots of time, and she loves having local people teach. Um, I think teaching is kind of the natural progression of once you learn something and you figure out how to do something and you actually feel like you're actually kind of above being a beginner and you're an intermediate and you want everybody else to <laughs> learn this wonderful thing too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like, I like talking about it. I like teaching classes. I tried a couple different types of classes. Like I've done an improv class and beginner class and, um, working on, you know, workshops and things like that, you know, so it's, it's, it's I enjoy it. I really, really enjoy meeting people mm-hmm. and, Nice. Some people um, don't take to it. I've had one person go, this is crazy. Why would any 
everybody cut this stuff up. She she came to two classes of a series of six and then never came back. But it wasn't her thing. And that's okay. And But then there's two or three other people in the class who were like bitten by the bug within one block. You could say, you better join the quilt guild because you are going to love this. And so it's just, it's great to see mm-hmm. the spark in people's eye. Oh, like, good. I yeah. can do do this that's the fulfilling part of it then to 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 see you know other people take to it and and um learn from what you've learned Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and And try to them from making mistakes even though i might teach them how to cut fabric (laughs) on a mass way (laughs) (laughs) well you also you you make patterns too and you've been published in make modern magazine right i have i i once in a while i I will write patterns. And it's one of those things where um, I'm not sure that I would want it to be a full-time job, you know, because pattern writing is a skill set that requires a lot of patience and writing and thinking like a technical person. And, um, you know, so it takes a lot, it takes me a long time to write a pattern. But yeah, I've, I've come up with some ideas that I thought were pretty interesting and kind of different and and an unusual way to assemble this particular block. And so I've had uh, probably half a dozen patterns printed over the years, and it's been lots and lots of fun. I also like writing articles about quilting. Make Modern was um, very kind, and they've published two articles that I've written in addition. Uh, Way back, my first magazine uh, was Quilting Magazine, and I went to Chicago and Mary Fonz actually, I was on Quilty. You remember that you online? You were on Quilty? Oh, I yeah. watched that. It was awesome. I must have I, seen I, you I, before I knew who you were. Oh. It was so, I thought I was going to keel over. <laughs> but You made and it. Of course, then I had a <laughs> hair day. <laughs> but it was, it's so much fun um, oh. to for magazines. And I, and I, I had a good time with that. That is so cool. You you were on an episode of Quilty with Mary Fonz. That's awesome. I went to that sh- quilt shop a little bit before it closed down, and that's where she filmed the episodes. Oh. Did you film there in that little tiny, oh. narrow quilt shop? It was actually in like a – the person who filmed it was her sister's boyfriend, and it was in his apartment. Okay. It was a very unique experience because you actually went to somebody's house. And then you had to walk through the one room row house to the back where they had a studio. It's <laughs> oh, lots and lots of. That's oh. so cool. It, it was super cool. Yeah, I really love her a lot. Um, all right. Uh, so I wanted to also thank you for you. Um, in September, you had your podcast anniversary. Um, was it three? Is it three years podcasting? It was my three year. This is going into the fourth. I started wow. in two thousand. And uh, Make Modern was uh, has been a very good friend of me and and supporting the show. And so we were able to give away uh, uh, an edition of their digital magazine. Yes, I downloaded it. It was <laughs> super fun. Yeah, lots and lots of fun. well, thank you and Make Modern because I I thought that was a great great surprise and gift and everything. So. Um, we can, you've got something else going on before you go. Um, one, one quick thing though. Uh, sure. In the, in the spring, summertime, you go outdoors and you like to 
garden and Mm -hmm. you got me interested in fairy gardens. I had really, Really? yes, yeah, I've never really like, I don't know where I've been, but I'm like fairy garden. What the, what is that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's kind of, I think, has its roots in, in England, I think, okay. because they have small little porches uh-huh. and um, fairies are very much part of, you know, the folklore in England, Ireland and Scotland. And so I have a, a small yard. It's pretty good size compared to some urban areas, but it's not big enough to have a fantastically huge garden. And and so I have some of my grandmother's cuttings from their old heirloom flowers. And then we put raised flower beds in and we couldn't grow a tomato from anything. <laughs> and so I converted it all into what I wanted at the beginning. And that's uh, miniatures. I love miniatures. And so I put miniature plants and have my little fairy gardens. And I try to make it Lord of the Rings uh-huh. Kind of looks like fire. And, <laughs> yeah, it is. So I absolutely love fairy gardens. I'm, and I'm trying and I actually have a couple inside too, oh, in nice. like terrains and things like that. Yeah. So it's, it's super fun. And yeah. it lets you be a kid again. Right. Yeah. I really, you got my, me interested. And then I started, of course, the YouTube thing. So I typed in fairy gardens and I saw all these tutorials and things and, um, even Blueprint um, had a little class or whatever uh, highlight on it. So um, I'm going to try to I I made something, but of course I gave it away. So this year I'm going to make a little fairy garden for me to keep. Yeah. <laughs> my, and my sister is fantastic. You know, she's more of the artistic mind. And so mm-hmm. she uses like teapots and recycles and upcycles and sculpts her own mountains and all that stuff. So I may have to commission some work from her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's highly creative because you are putting together like a miniature world. Um, yes. And it's like, you know, it can be magical and everything. So I love it. Very cool. All right, so let's promote um, your because you've got something coming up soon, right? A premium podcast. I do. This is the first time I will be doing a premium podcast because um, I enjoy the audio format so much that I want to stay in that. And I do a lot of teaching, and um, so it's going to be about Zen and creating. And so the working title currently is Zen and the Art of Creating, and why it's kind of jumping off that article I told you I wrote for Make Modern last year. Mm -hmm. It was, why is quilting good for us? And I did a lot of research on actually the brain structure and how it helps us. And I also do a lot of um, anti-anxiety teaching in my job. And, and I thought there, it's all about creating and being calm and finding that center in our brain where we are at our best in a what we call flow state as creatives where you're not overthinking it the ideas are just coming and so that's what this premium podcast is going to be about Mm -hmm. it's going to be about why it's good for us how to capture those moments um i want to do some stress management talk and do all kinds of different things and it's probably going to be several i want to say two hours but break it up you know with timestamps on it Mm -hmm. and 
um, make it so people could do a segments at a time and work on some exercises and relaxing. And um, because I'll be honest, when I first started quilting, it wasn't super relaxing. No. I got real uptight. <laughs> and I was like, this is supposed to be a relaxing hobby. <laughs> why am I having so, why is this so hard? And so I, I'm breaking it down in the podcast to helping people find that relaxing part. It mm-hmm. takes it takes some practice. It takes some time and mm-hmm. how to be meditative about it. Well, that's very interesting. I really like that. And it's so true because at the beginning of quilting, and, and for, especially for those of us like me who are like perfectionists, um, and there were a lot of tears. <laughs> and yes. then when um, I tried I to learn machine quilting. Okay. My shoulders were up to my ears. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, the first independent quilt I ever made, I threw it in the trash. I threw the top in the trash because it wasn't perfect. And and then the next day, it was kind of like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. I pulled it out and go, it's not so bad. <laughs> Maybe I'll finish it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so uh, what? So when is that coming up? Or do you want me to put a link in the show notes? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at mid-February. Oh, okay. Um, That's coming up. Coming up. So this podcast will be up. And uh, once I get that ready to roll, I'll send you a link. Okay. And uh, that'd be something that maybe potentially we could put that in the show notes. That'd be awesome. Is that is this going to be something that is available for people to, to download anytime? Or is it just like a, this is when it's being published and... My under, this is the first time I've done it, but according to all the directions, it looks like once it will be up forever, and then once you purchase it, you'll be able to download it whenever. Oh, great. Okay, so then we could put it, because this is going to publish after you release it. Exactly. Uh, some A few weeks or so after you release it, so then we can still um, have the link and people can still have access to it. Absolutely. Okay, That'll good. Be- Fantastic. Yay. Well, Vicki, thank you so much for coming on to my show. And um, it's just been great to, to talk with you. And, you know, I listen to probably all the same shows you do, too, because I, I hear you mention Kristen Esser sometimes on your show. Mm-hmm. So I listen to her podcast as well and and everything. So it's just nice to be able to talk to each other and and um, share the same love that we 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 like to send out into the world. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know, the quilting community really is universal, and you meet so many people through podcasting. Um, it's just incredible, and I appreciate you having me on the show. I had a wonderful time, and I so enjoy listening to your podcast as well. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thanks so much to Vicki for coming on to my show, and I will put links to her podcast page and to her Etsy shop if you um, would like to down- purchase and download her premium podcast. I actually purchased it. And she has a couple of extras that you can download. There's a PDF file and then there's an additional short audio file um, that uh, is, is really interesting. And it's a short audio that just gives you some exercises, some breathing exercises and something that you can listen to whenever you're feeling like you just need to, you know, get the weight of the world off your shoulders and kind of like you know, return yourself to just a calm, relaxed state. So um, yeah, I'll put those links in the show notes. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And thank you so much for listening. 
I will be back in two weeks with another great episode for you. And my guest will be Brett Lewis, a new fabric designer with Northcott Fabrics. Until next time, stay quilty and creative, my friends. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Make and Decorate podcast. The podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Stephanie Socha. Until next time, have a great day. Bye.